Hello, everyone. Welcome to another Hacking Open Source Business Podcast. I'm one of the co-hosts, Matt Yankovic, joined again by Avi Press from Scarf. Hello. And today we have a special guest, Chad Whitaker from Sentry, the head of open source at Sentry. Hi, Chad. Hello, How are you hello. doing? Hello. Good. Thanks for having me. Um, so, Chad, where are you located? Just out oh, of goodness. curiosity. I am located outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay. USA right. Earth. All right. Fair. Thanks, well, Sarah. there there we go. That's great. That's, <laughs> that, that's wonderful. Specific and, enough? Yes, specific <laughs> enough. Good. So, um, you know, you, you're the head of open source at, at Sentry. What does mm-hmm. the head of open source mean at Sentry? Just give us maybe a little background about your role, because mm-hmm. that title is used in a lot of different places for a lot of different things. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, sure. So head of open source at Sentry. So I run our open source program office or OSPO. Um, which I think by now is fairly common. A lot of the larger companies have have OSPOs. Um, and at Century, you know, we're uh, we're about 350 people, so a little on the small side for companies that do have OSPOs. But the thing about Century is that open source is core to our company culture. Um, you know, we can get into some of the history, but uh, you know, Century started life as an open source uh, kind of side project, um, and open source is really important to us. So. Yeah, so my role as head of open source, um, I run the OSPO. OSPO is a, you know, a tiny team of uh, two engineers that work with me in our OSPO, uh, but we work with every other part of the company. So uh, again, open source is core to Century's company culture. Um, and so, yes, we've got kind of uh, dotted lines to every other department in the company, basically. Does I start to give and, you some sense of it? Yeah, yeah and, mm-hmm. and Century itself um, does monitoring and maybe give us the overview of Sentry. Sure. Yeah. So Sentry is an application monitoring company, um, you know, started out with error tracking, uh, and, uh, put out a performance product a few years ago. Um, you know, and we do crons and replays and things like this. So yeah, it's an application monitoring company really focused on developers. Our target audience is developers. We're developers. We build for developers, you know, queue up Steve Ballmer, developers, developers, developers. That's, developers. that's us focused on. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So application monitoring, uh, for developers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Avi. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, you know, and so, talk. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Um, so I think, you know, one of the, the main reasons that I was, we were so excited to, to talk to you today, um, is because recently Sentry made a lot of news in the open source world generally, um, with the introduction of a brand new license. Yes. Uh, I think that's kind of, you know, the, the meat and potatoes that we wanted to get into today. And so maybe we can just kick it off with, if you want to just start by, you know, just, Really quick summary for those that don't know about what the FSL is, and then we can you know dive into more you know, discussion for those that okay. are more familiar. Sure. So I'll go ahead and bring up on our screen share if we want to bring it in at some point. Uh, this is the homepage for the FSL. So FSL.software um, is where you can learn more about this. The FSL stands for Functional Source License, and it's a mostly permissive non-compete license that converts to Apache or MIT after two years. So... The goal with this license is really to balance user freedom and developer sustainability. With open source and kind of pure open source licenses, the chief value is freedom, software freedom, user freedom for software. And what we've learned over the years is that that value can sometimes be in tension with developer sustainability. So our goal with the FSL is to put out a license that says, hey, we love open source. We use open source. We live and breathe open source. You know, again, we can get into some of the history, but Century started life as an uh, open source side project and lived that way for years before we started building a company around it. Um, Yeah, so the FSL is kind of our attempt to um, start to... uh, There's been a lot of attempts at this to kind of balance user freedom and developer sustainability. Um, you know, this is, this is kind of our, what our offer or our attempt at this. Um, yeah, maybe, I don't know if the immediate predecessor to this is the business source license. Um, I don't know if that's where you want to go next, but in terms of the FSL, uh, yeah, the functional source license, uh, and it, uh, it's designed to balance user freedom and developer sustainability. Yeah. Let's go back because you mentioned this and I want to kind of walk through the timeline. So, you know, um, Century started off as a BSD project. Well, if you want the timeline, we actually, 
because I did this history. I'm going to, you can decide if you want this on the screen share or not, but I got to dig back in and find the details because it, yeah, uh, great. This one. open source values. Here's this blog post about open source values. Mm-hmm. And here it is. David Kramer first published Century in 2008 as a non-commercial public licenseless side project. So when he first published it, there was no license on it. You know, okay. it was sort of this era of like freewheeling. Here's like the, the first era of kind of open source pioneers um, has, is, is sort of like, um, you know, further along in their career. There's like the second generation that's coming along that doesn't maybe have um, all of the uh, immediate knowledge of kind of the licensing battles that we went through with Microsoft in the late, very late nineties and things like this. And, you know, it's the era of GitHub just getting started. 2008 is very early GitHub. And, uh, you know, there's this concept of like, uh, what is it called? Uh, I'm going to click through on this to remind myself. Oh yeah. Post open source software, F the license and governance, just commit to GitHub. This kind of like freewheeling, you know, just put the code out there. We're, you know, we're like, I don't have time to think about licensing. I'm hacking too much, you know, and just like putting code out there. So that's really where Sentry started was just, you know, of course I'm going to post the code up there because that's what we do. It wasn't until a year later that, you know, projects started to get some traction. That's when David put a BSD license on it. Yes. Um, so okay. it's BSD and it was BSD for years. Um, and then, uh, you know, again, as a side project, then the timeline is 2012 started to commercialize. So 2008, 70 line Django plugin, you know, license list, 2009 BSD, 2012, uh, Heroku plugin. Okay. Remember Heroku? Okay. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Yehuda Katz is bringing Heroku back. I just learned, which I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. So Heroku plugin 2012, um, first kind of, uh, testing the waters of commercialization 2015. So another three years before, uh, David and Chris, our two co-founders, uh, raised some, uh, some seed money and some venture capital and, and, and started hiring folks. Um, so that was 2015. Yeah. And so it's been, uh, kind of a, you know, the, uh, a more traditional kind of startup, uh, story since then. Okay. And it was 2019 that, um, the company shifted to the BSL. Yes, correct. And so what was kind of the motivation for that? Like at, at the time, yeah. um, BSL, uh, had just started to kind of like, you know, come out. MariaDB really is, was the driver around BSL. Yeah. Um, you know, we saw other folks kind of like follow suit. Mongo did their SSPL shortly thereafter. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of movement around the different licenses, but yeah. from a century perspective, what kind of drove you all to go from that, uh, mm-hmm. BSD mm-hmm. kind of license to BSL? Yeah. So I should um, caveat here. I've been at Century for a little over three years. So I was not around uh, specifically for this. Um, But yeah, I can definitely speak to it. So yeah, so 2019 then, right, we relicensed from BSD to BSL. And maybe, you know, if viewers, listeners are maybe a little bit on kind of the details of the BSL might be helpful. It's... um, it's what we call an eventual open source license. So the the core idea of the BSL is, hey, I put this code out here, and in four years, this code is going to be um, Apache 2 or MIT or some OSD-approved license. Until then, you can do everything you want with it except compete with me, okay? Because I'm the producer of the software. My company is the producer of the software. Uh, our company, we want to, uh, you know, protect our, you know, viability, our ability to continue growing as a company and continue uh, producing the software. So for four years, we get exclusive rights to commercialize the software. Uh, and then after four years, it, it, um, it, you know, one of the terms for it is a springing license. So it's, it's, it's not just a promise that you can renege on, but it's kind of baked in that, uh, you know, this is, we're granting you a license that four years from now you can use this under Apache. Okay. So that's the fundamental shape, shape of the BSL. Um, and the reason that, you know, it was compelling to Sentry is that we were starting to get big enough as a company that we were seeing other actors, other companies uh, kind of eye us up, eye up um, our product, uh, the Sentry product. And it, there was nothing, you know, in the licensing preventing other companies from offering hosting for Sentry, which is how we make our money. We make our money as a, as a SaaS company. 
you know, with a BSD license on Century's core product, you know, imagine your nearest cloud provider could offer Sentry as one of a number of, you know, products that exist um, in their, in their catalog and undercut our undercut us on price. Cause they don't have to pay for it. They don't have to pay for the, for the development of it. They don't have to bear, you know, it's well, okay. Um, yeah. So sorry to, to wrap this up. Am I answering your question, Matt? So it was really that, uh, that, 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 really existential risk to the business, you know, that like any one of these much larger players could totally eat our lunch. Um, that, that was the risk that we were looking to mitigate with BSL. So that was a risk the whole time, right? So I, I, I'm curious, um, you know, were, were, what was in particular going on that, like, why then? Why at that point in time versus yeah, sometime somewhere. earlier? Were there very specific things that were going on that was, uh, that was causing this? Um, or was this just a general conversation that was ongoing and then kind of came to a head? Or what was that like? So, again, I wasn't actually. Yeah, I know you weren't there at the time. This was happening. There, right? <laughs> but what I can share here uh, is this link um, to our old forum. This forum's kind of read only now, but this is our discourse forum thread about the relicensing in 2019. Um, yeah, let me bring this up. Ooh. And what I want to point out is, you know, a lot here on YBSL. This is what's fun. Okay. Ken C. Johnston. Hi, Sentry team. Exciting news. I'm the director of product management at GitLab. Okay. And I cover our ops section. Are we considered an APM provider for the purposes of your license? Is our integration considered use? And then here's David, the founder of Sentry, replying, unfortunately, that is the kind of thing we're trying to prevent. If GitLab's bundling Sentry for its customers, who are we going, how are we going to fund, uh, who's going to fund the development of Sentry? So I guess I'm answering your question with a specific example that's uh, public here as a, you know, one example of a use that we were trying to prevent. Um, I don't know. I thought that was interesting when I found this. I was like, okay, here it is. You know, here's GitLab saying, "Hey, we were bundling Sentry," and David saying, "Yeah, that's uh, that's that's what we're looking to have." Yeah, a conversation it, it, was it was it that type of relationship? And then you were running into this probably more than this. This is a good example of that. But where you've got maybe, mm -hmm. and I'll just use some numbers. You know, like you might have a thousand customers that are paying you, but then. You know, a com another company like GitLab has fifty thousand that all of a sudden use Sentry, and then you see nothing from it. Yeah, exactly. You, you GitLab, AWS, Google—you know, like the clouds, um, cloud providers. Yeah, that's the sort of um, company that was uh, kind of threatening us. Now, what I find explicitly funny, or implicitly, yeah. Sorry. What I find funny about this is, mm -hmm. you know, like I do hear from companies who do like, you know, hey, we've embedded, but we mm -hmm. give back to the community and maybe they'll throw some patches out there. Or I've even seen some of some of them like, you know, look, we donated like ten thousand dollars, you know, right. like or something to, 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 to yeah, the project, yeah. you know, and it's it's it ends up being kind of like a very small component. That's it. right. Of, yeah. of the overall thing. And and it's it's interesting to see how that's positioned. Yeah. So. It is interesting because there's definitely cases, you know, the, the big one the past six months was HashiCorp, right? I mean, yep. HashiCorp relicensed to BSL and blew up. It blew up because they had built this really vibrant community of, you know, value-added resellers and other companies that were depending on HashiCorp uh, products, uh, you know, so there was a sense of betrayal, right? There's a sense of a rug pull, like, hey, you built, you built this, like, bona fide open source community you know, or this open source community, like, uh, you know, trusted you, right? These folks trusted you. And now you've changed. Now you've switched. Um, so there's a sense of betrayal. And yeah, I guess one message I want to get out there is like, it's not one size fits all. So Sentry is not HashiCorp. And I actually, uh, I do want to bring this up. It was really interesting when I went and I looked at the numbers. Um, so this on the screen share now is um, <laughs> maybe not the best chart, but it, bear with me. Um, this is some analysis I did. I went back to our main repo. It's a Django app, this monolith, Django monolith, Sentry, Git Sentry Sentry on GitHub. Um, and did some analysis of the commit history, you know, and I took the email addresses that you get in the commit log and I mapped them to uh, founders. So David and Chris, 
second bucket there is employees or future employees. And then the third bucket is others, you know, community members trying to get a sense of, because there's always anecdotally, and again, I've only been here for three years, so I've been, uh, you know, a customer century for much longer. Um, there's always, it was sort of anecdotal that, you know, century, we've always built it ourselves, right? Um, so I went and I did the homework, and it turns out that that's true. So what this is showing is it breaking down three eras. So again, as I mentioned, 2008, we started. 2015 is when we incorporated and in, uh, so we could take venture capital, Um and then 2019 is when we relicensed, as you mentioned, to BSL. And what I wanted to see was what was the impact of those two events on our contributor community? Okay. And what this is showing then in this column, others, it's showing that before we incorporated, 6% of Sentry commits came from outside of the founders or first employees. Okay. In other words, even before we incorporated, 90 plus percent of Sentry was built by David Kramer, to be honest, David and, and Chris. Chris is our design founder. Okay. Then what's interesting is, uh, okay, so two interesting things, right? So when we go from incorporation, you know, side project to business, that has a significant impact on the contributor community. You can see that it goes from 6% to 3.5%. In other words, you know, when you raise money and you have money and you can start paying people to work on the product, those people work on the product more than volteers and you know people on the internet, right? Um, so that's well, presumably you hired some of them, I would imagine, right? Exactly, that's my point. Yeah, yeah. and that would steal okay, some of those away. Too. Yeah, uh, no, no, no. Okay. Actually, yeah. no, because employees here, you can see this two point seven percent before incorporation. So those core contributors, they were core members of the project uh, before we incorporated and they became employees. So they're counted here as employees, even though we're not incorporated yet. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, so it doesn't take away from that 6%. So that 6% was folks, um, you know, that, that didn't end up uh, getting hired in and let's see. But then the other interesting thing is that the BSL had pretty much no impact on uh, outside contributions. You can see we went from 3.5% of contributors between incorporation 2015 and BSL in 2019. So that's when we were a BSD licensed product with, you know, with a, a growing uh, venture backed startup behind it. 3.5% of our contributions came from, you know, outside the company. And since we, you know, since 2019, we were licensed, it's 3.4%, right? The point is like, that hasn't changed. That's been consistent. Uh, so it, First of all, and these are these are the number of commits, not the number of committers. Just this. To... Let me see. So this is commits commits okay, to the century monolith by relation by era. Yes. So, yes, this okay. is the number of commits. There's fifty nine, okay. sixty thousand hmm. commits to century of all time. Yeah. Now, also, century's not like we have our Django monolith. We've got thousand plus repos. You know, our SDKs are a different story. That's true for a lot of companies. Um, you know, SDKs tend to be a place where you see a lot more community engagement. Um, you know, so we definitely have like contractors and volunteers and, and community, longtime community members participating there in SDKs. And those are licensed MIT, uh, so, you know, so those are, 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 are true open source license. But what I want to what I want to show here is that this narrative about, uh, you know, the betrayal, the rug pull, you had this community and then, you know, you, you, you're greedy venture capitalists. You like close, you know, like you 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 closed it off. That's not really accurate for Sentry's case. It really is the case that like we were always the ones that were building the software. And look, if you're motivated to hack on Sentry, we want to hire you. You know, like uh, there's, I don't know. I feel like that's that's where this conversation gets interesting. Is like, how do we provision software again? Going back to this idea of balancing developer, well, start with user freedom, balancing user freedom with developer sustainability. How has this impacted the adoption? Like people using Sentry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, specifically the license change in 2019? Or even the license, the recent. I mean, maybe it's too it's too new for the recent, but yeah. Yeah, so let's say the recent one. Well, and I guess to, um, to connect the dots. So the FSL is really an evolution of the BSL. That because the the challenge with the BSL is that it has these fill in the blanks. It's parameterized, so there's yeah, this you know the template. Like, okay, you pick what you want your change date to be. Is it four years? That's the default. Century's been using three years. Other companies you know are using longer, so that can change. 
the license it converts to can change. But most importantly, what's called the acceptable use grant can change. And so every BSL is essentially a unique license because of that, because every person that adopts BSL has to write their own acceptable use grant. And those vary wildly. So Sentry is... And, and is just to clarify, yeah. acceptable use grants are things like anybody but Avi Press can use my software. Correct. Right. So Matt, obviously that's what you're going to put in your acceptable use I, I have it in every your, license that I have All your BSL already. license software. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. 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 Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, right. So point is, what we were trying to do with the FSL was take the BSL and just fix some of its worst problems by essentially closing those holes, uh, filling in the blanks and, uh, you know, what is it? Uh, convention or configuration or whatever. Remember that old Ruby on rails? Uh, yeah. What uh, aphorism? Yeah. So BSL, right. Has these variabilities. FSL is only two years. So we cut it from four to two years because we thought, you know, four years is a long time, two years is long enough. Four years is a long time in software. If you have four-year-old software, it's, it's more than twice as old as two-year-old software, if you will. So we cut it from four to two years, but it's only two years. And then there's only two change license options, Apache or MIT. And there's no acceptable use grant. So yeah, so FSL was this really, is an evolution of BSL. And was this really a motivated by the purchase of uh, Code Cove? Um, Code Cove, the yes. There? Okay, so the story there then, um, right, we bought Code Cove probably about a year ago now, I think. You know, Code Cove is this uh, code coverage, uh, you know, pre-prod testing focused uh, company and, you know, closed source when we bought it. Century, we think of ourselves as an open source company. So, of course, we're going to open source the thing, you know, the closed source thing we that we bought, um, you know, part of our company culture. And then when we, you know, so we did a lot of work to get it ready to publish that code. When we did, we put the BSL on it. And we put out a blog post that said, CodeCov is now open source. <laughs> and we got some feedback from the community that uh, they disagreed with us, that CodeCov they thought was not open source because it was under the BSL and not an OSI approved license. Okay. So we heard that feedback the next day, you know, David put up a post, uh, you know, apologizing and, uh, you know, saying we Yes, apologizing, backpedaling on that. And then that kind of, so that was late July, early August. I think August 2, August 2nd was the post. Um, the Code Cup is now open source post. That is what began uh, kind of the, yeah, the process in earnest of, um, because FSL is really, you know, it's, it's an implementation detail. The bigger picture is, how do we balance user freedom with developer sustainability? You know, this is, we're not the first ones to have this problem. We're not going to be the last ones. This is, and this isn't the only way that this problem manifests. Open source by definition is susceptible to the free rider problem. Open source says anybody can do whatever they want with this. It creates this commons. It's a, it's a, it's a public good. And the mechanisms to fund the production of public goods are primarily taxes, to be honest. Like that's the way that we fund things that uh, are in the same bucket as open source. The second way that you fund things like that is through, uh, I mean, it's really quasi-governmental where it's like you get a bunch of people together and they sort of, um, come up with their own uh, agreements and social norms around funding and provisioning these things. And look, this is like well-established, well outside of software. You know, there's, there's a whole body of research on this, how to fund the commons, governing the commons is a major book in this. Um, gosh, how'd I get off on that? You were asking about <laughs> FSL. We're talking about BSL. We're talking about FSL. Talking about adoption uh, for a while. Yeah. 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 So they're, they're, adoption. They're, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So we, I mean, so no, we have not, uh, it certainly is too early to, uh, to tell with FSL on adoption. Um, but no, BSL is not slowed adoption for us. And actually I'll say this, um, the way that we wrote the BSL and now the FSL, we wrote our, our version of BSL and our FSL, we are focused on SaaS commercialization. So we explicitly allow for self-hosted usage of Sentry. 
So that means all those folks that were self-hosting Sentry for years before BSL continue to be able to self-host Sentry. The restriction that we put on it is you can't, you know, you can't do like GitLab wanted to do or like AWS might want to do or somebody else, which is offer a hosted version of Sentry, uh, you know, for a fee. Uh, that's what we limit. So, yeah, so that that might have been the place where adoption would have suffered, uh, but we specifically allow for self-hosting. So maybe that's a more direct answer to your question, Matt. Instead of yeah, and I do, I think, you know, when I, when I see this, um, you know, this breakdown of how, you know, the... Mm how much outside contribution is coming into Sentry over, over these events. I think that yeah. one thing I'd really want to know with this is, mm. you know, what, per, well, A, there's a couple things here. So one is that um, mm-hmm. as the Sentry user base grows, mm-hmm. um, you know, how that's actually impacting. Because, you know, just beca- okay. if there's a lot more users and the contribution percentage is staying flat, that actually did harm contributions kind of materially, like depending on like, you know, absolute uh, as a portion of the code base versus how many, um, the percentage of your user base that is contributing as well, I think is kind of another variable here. And the other one that's, yeah. the the other thing that I'll say here too, is that um, percentage of commits it also is totally up to you, right? Like you can accept or reject any given submission. Sure, that's fair. Um, and so it could be the case, right, that like maybe Sentry had less ability to ingest, you know, PRs because they're busy with other things or whatever that might look like. And so there's so many variables here. I feel like <laughs> I, 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 I'm immediately wanting to, to ask okay. six Begin. different follow-up questions about this. Well, um, so to take those two, oh, you know, this, I guess the second first, um, we, we certainly do not optimize for outside contributions to the Sentry sure. monolith. Um, yeah. Again, for the SDKs, it's a different story. And, and we do have some, um, yeah, some other like kind of uh, generic, I'll say, projects, you know, that, that are more traditional open source projects. But uh, for the Sentry monolith itself, we don't optimize certainly for outside contributors. So like, it's a lot of work to set up a development environment for Sentry. You know what I mean? Um, and we do occasionally get folks that go, go to the trouble and give us contributions. And, uh, you know, I, we accept them when, you know, as much as we can. It's generally celebrated in the company, uh, you know, when somebody gives us an outside contribution. So, I mean, I'll let you do your own research and decide how conspiratorial <laughs> we want to be about us, uh, you know, doing that to gain these numbers. Um, but the, oh, sorry, first... not not to imply you're gaming the numbers. I just mean that, like, I like I, I'd be interested. It's a very interesting question. How what's well, a design how choice? These right? It's like how yeah. do you want to run yeah. your project? Yeah. How do you want to run your company? Like, you know, do you want to do like HashiCorp and build this big vibrant community? You know, or do you want it like Century was very explicit from the beginning. Like I said, David built most of Century himself for many years, and that was always kind of a design choice for the project and for the company. That no, we're not really like. Because here's here's one thing I want to say, and I do want to get to your your first point to uh, come back to that. But um, there's different kinds of software. A library, a left pad, or a colored JS or a faker JS or whatever, or a log four J, right? Or a larger framework, even like there's different kinds of software. Lower level operating systems, you know, frameworks, libraries, CLI tools. Those are different than end user applications, kind of full product experiences. And what we're building with Sentry is a product. It's uh, it's something that requires kind of a, a different level of, um, uh, what do I want to say? Like attention to detail, focus on uh, on user experience, um, you, you know, kind of the things that we, that we sort of like naturally accept, you know, like... Gmail has a billion users, you know, Facebook has a billion users, you know what I mean? More, right? Like YouTube and the product experiences we've come to expect as normal from that level of software, like world-class software, like, you know, we, we don't see, okay. That's what Sentry is aiming for. Like that's, that's, that's what we're benchmarking ourselves against in terms of product development, product direction. We're trying to build a world-class software product. Okay. We're developers. We want to do it openly. Um, You know, but in terms of uh, accepting contributions from the outside, the challenge there is like, we have a very opinionated uh, product direction. 
So even for our customers, you know, we've got what, like 80, 90,000 plus customers, like we're building for tens of thousands of customers. So like big customer comes to us and says, Hey, I need this feature to get this done. We're like, great, get in line. You know, we're building for thousands of customers at a time. Right. And so that mindset is, uh, is, is very different than, again, it's design. It's like, what are you trying to do in the world? Are you trying to build a really amazing world-class software product, you know, with the, the business to match it? Or are you trying to build a really vibrant uh, volunteer community that, you know, maybe doesn't like, doesn't have that economic layer in it. Uh, there's, there's trade-offs. Um, yeah. And Chad, I, uh, yeah. To, to, to follow up, just to clarify, you know, if, and correct me if I'm wrong, what I'm hearing you say is really, you know, as, as the, as Century was founded, um, it was done in the open source space to get feedback, to, to provide people confidence in it. It really wasn't there to garner large scale contributions and collaborate. It was more for, you know, hey, we're, we're going to start off. This is this cool thing. And, oh, let's make a business of it. And we'll do it in the open source yeah, space. I mean, Kramer's a hacker, man. He's like out yeah, there, yeah. you know. And, and, yeah, yeah. And, so, and again, it's like in the air. You just share your code, right? You put it on GitHub. Yeah. And so, you know, and we've seen this with other folks, right? So Mongo, okay. you know, they've come out and said, we never open sourced for the, you know, the community. We didn't mm. want contributions. Mm. Right. We did it mm -hmm. because it was a marketing mm -hmm. strategy. We did it because gotcha. we wanted to have a, uh, you know, developer adoption. Right. Mm -hmm. So there were reasons for it that mm -hmm. open source was just a means to an end, if you will. So I'm going to go back to this open source values post that um, I put out. This was <clears throat> I started writing this the day, you know, the day of the code cove kerfuffle, as I've come to, to call it and published it a month later. So this went through a number okay. of drafts. So this represents kind of our settled thinking on, because one of the pieces of feedback we got from the Code Cub kerfuffle, Adam Jacob was like, hey, why don't you guys tell us what your values are? Because open source values are user freedom, okay? The four freedoms, right? Uh, like that's, that's clear and settled. Like that's the philosophy behind open source, even though it's really rooted in free software. Um, you know, why don't you are try articulating what your values actually are? And then conversation, conversation can proceed from there. So that's what this post does. So this is a month after CodeCov, um, kind of, again, long uh, backstory on the history and uh, values, but that's where we get to balancing user freedom and developer sustainability. So, you know, are there marketing benefits from being open source? Yes, of course. It's like the most powerful brand in the software world, right? Uh, are there, uh, you know, adoption benefits uh, because developers, uh, you know, can see and, and, and trust the code more? Yes, of course. You know, and <laughs> what we talk about in here is there's a focus on, let me find it. Yeah, here you go. <clears throat> we think of freedom primarily in terms of access to technology and knowledge to improve efficiency for developers. So, you know, this this is where we get to like a little more altruistic, you know, like, and you know, the motivations are mixed or whatever. We're a company, uh, you know, but a company of people, um, you know, if we can assume good intentions here, right? Like we're, we're developers. We wanna, we wanna share our code with other people and we wanna see other people's code. You know, we don't want to, you know, waste time having to reinvent wheels if we can go learn from something else without stealing yeah. it whole hog or whatever. You know what I mean? So like <clears throat> there is a, uh, you know, yes, you can take the cynical view that it's just marketing or something, um, you know, but I, I would try to balance that with like, we are developers that love geeking out with other developers on stuff. Right. Yeah. And I think that, you know, th th don't, you know, I, I don't have a problem with your you licensing or any company licensing on something that is, you know, mm. towards their values. I think where the open source community tends to get more, um, uh, not necessarily even upset or more passionate, is mm. one of the tenets has always been around open source um, mm. non-discrimination. That's like one of the, the core tenets. Yeah, sure. And we've had many That's guests five, right? on here. Yeah, 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 yeah. We, we've had many guests on the podcast where that comes up. Because we've talked about the VSL before. We've talked about the SSPL yeah. probably like, geez, a dozen times at least, right, Avi? Half of the episodes. <laughs> yeah, half the episodes probably, you know, um, have talked about this. And yeah. in, when we go. talk with the folks who, you know, are from either the OSI or from that community, yeah. it, it's really about that one that they're like, yeah. hey, we don't care 
if if you're SSPL or BSL, we just care that you call that open source because it, it violates that. And, you know, it, it's a good point because um, we've had some discussions with folks who have mm-hmm. been part of early discussions before some of these licenses were launched. And um, we've had people who have developed the original licenses and were part of OSI who have come mm-hmm. out and mm-hmm. said, you know, like, you know, yeah, you know, th- this is a great license, whatever, but just don't call it open. And mm-hmm. I think where this really started to get a hot button was with mm-hmm. Elastic, right? Yeah. So yeah. when Elastic made the change, their their whole thing was maybe a little similar to maybe the, the, the faux pas with, you know, calling it open source mm-hmm. um, when, when, you know, Code uh, Cove. Yeah. Code Cove. Yeah. But Elastic came out and said, we're doubling down on open. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and so else. everyone just went... What the heck is that? Right. Yeah. You know, like, you know, and I think that that was probably the lightning rod for a lot of that controversy. Yeah. Um, And, Mm -hmm. and I think that that's just something that, you know, a lot of passionate developers who have invested a lot of time, money and resources into open source and who, who Mm -hmm. bleed open source through and through, they -hmm. look at this and they're like, you know, yeah, um, that, 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 that is what I believe in. Yeah, the, and I think the frame of reference with some of the stuff is also really important too. Where you know, if you say we're gonna, you know, um, we're really committed to this very particular thing, and we're gonna take one step to the right of it, um, you know, saying that we're doubling down on that thing, o- open source, yeah. versus we were having to make a decision between moving to a fully closed source proprietary thing, and this was the best set of compromises that we came up with. Um, the exact same action, very different framing. Um, and I think, you know, would probably be received very different. And I think the way that, yeah, the, the, the marketing and the, the messaging around these kinds of changes are just so crucially, crucially important. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious. So, you know, with, with this initiative to roll out this new license, is mm-hmm. it your goal to have other companies in the space adopt this license as well? Or are you? It, yeah. Hundred percent. We um, so we have one other product already. Answer Overflow. Shout out Answer Overflow. Adopted the FSL. You know, in the first week or whatever after we announced it. I think it's been so it's December twenty first. Today we're recording this call. FSL was announced November seventeenth, if I remember right. So it's been about a month. Um, you know, we get into the holidays and slow down here. But yeah, that's definitely uh, something that we'll be working that I'll be working on next year. Is um, yeah, spreading the word and and talking to folks for whom it's a good fit. It's not the right fit for everybody. Um, It's really designed for SaaS companies that have an open source affinity or whatever we want to say, you know, that want to like, because you're absolutely right about the framing, Avi. It's like, you know, again, Gmail is not open source. YouTube's not open source. Facebook is not open source. They're not even source available, right? And like, we're not talking about that. You know, nobody's like, Hey, why isn't, you know, Hey Google, why isn't Google search, you know, open source. It's like what it, it, I think that's, you're right about the framing, but like, why are companies like Sentry and Elastic in a sense, getting punished for trying to do something that's uh, I think better than what we see, you know, from, uh, you know, from, from companies that are, or maybe not. I don't know. Maybe we don't care. But I think the point is like <clears throat> we haven't seen, you know, to date, open source is Linux. It's Apache Webster. You know, it's like it's these lower level projects like name, name an end user product that anybody that's not in tech knows about and uses and has on their phone. That's truly open source. I mean, well, it's a matter of framing or sorry, a matter of expectations, right? Like Google makes no, they don't, right. They don't talk yeah. about open source. Yeah. So but, no one's but up then in arms. You have to get back not. into the, why do we care about open source yeah. in the first place? Yeah. yeah. Right. Why do we care about open source? Like what are, and this was actually, um, you know, part of this values post. It's like <clears throat> all of the philosophical background for open source comes from Richard Stallman from free software foundation, you know, I did this whole analysis where I went and looked at the 200 plus articles under slash philosophy, under new work slash philosophy. 
and you know and and like read all those articles and, and analyzed them there's nothing on open source org that's like here's the why behind open source you know so i think some of the if i want to push back on this a little bit it feels like obviously yes there is a very passionate community of folks that you know see the definition the open source definition that see the free you know the free software uh, you know for freedoms and if a license doesn't meet that, you know, push back on the use of that term. Okay. You know, and now with CodeCov, like, again, we apologize the next day and we're uh, trying to be good faith participants in this conversation. At the same time, like, why? Why do we care so much about those definitions? And what's the downside? And that's where we get into the developer sustainability thing, right? Like, there's a sustainability crisis in open source. You know, this is log4j, this is heartbleed, this is the, you know, XKCD, whatever the number is with the one guy in Nebraska, you know, like this is roads and bridges report. Uh, you know, there's, there's different parts of the community. There's companies that commercialize open source. There's non-commercial open source projects that don't want money, okay? I mean, this is like the DHH Rails thing. He's like, I want to keep them separate. Like, don't bring money into open source. So there's that component. But then there's this significant component in the middle, which is we need to come up with the right word for it. But like sponsorable, you know what yeah, I mean? Like, I mean, yeah. And I and I and again, I'm 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 not trying to pick on you, Chad. Please don't feel like <laughs> we are here to pick on you, Chad. We are not corporate. Venture yeah. Backed. Yeah. Yeah. No. Greedy. No. No. Me too. No, it's because all good. Me too. <laughs> here's my my philosophy is that you know, open source has become you know kind of ubiquitous with a lot of software development because there's a lot of great stuff about it, but it is not necessarily for every project. And as you're saying, with with you know SaaS projects, a lot of the open source stuff wasn't designed even with that as a as in mind because it didn't exist. Didn't exist. Yeah. You know, and so as we start to look at, hey, we want to take these five things and we want to invent something new. And that's why I do really appreciate you mm -hmm. coming out and saying like, you know, hey, we, we heard this comment from uh, what was it? The founder of Chef, right? Um, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, who, who, who was like, you know, yeah, call it yourself on your own values. And I think that's beautiful, right? Because yeah, super what, what it does is it, it says like, yeah, we do value this stuff, but we recognize that this one tenant is causing us, you know, it's, it's preventing us from, um, you know, creating a commercially viable product and building a sustainable ecosystem. Here's and, a ticket. You know, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that that is, that is a, a fine way to do it. Right. Um, I do. This ticket here uh, that I've got up on the screen is in our repo for FSL.software. Um, and this is before we launched. Dan here, Dan Brown came in and asked explicitly this question, how will open source be used or framed relative to this license or plan? So, you know, whereas with CodeCov, we got this feedback after the fact. One of the wonderful things about FSL is we had this conversation before we launched FSL. So we actually yeah, went nice. back and forth in this thread, uh, you know, and, and Jordan Harbans yeah, awesome. in here and like we went back and forth and we reached an agreeable conclusion so that the FSL website, you know, really only mentions open source very briefly, um, just to say, we, you know, kind of distinguish ourselves from it, right? So I think we're still, I see this as kind of the beginning of a conversation, the beginning of hopefully the convergence of a conversation. Because I think one of the things we're seeing is like, like you said, Elastic, Maria, MongoDB, like, we're not the first ones. And honestly, you can go way back. Do you remember the shared source initiative? Yeah. Yeah. From Microsoft, right? Yeah. yeah. Like two years after open source came out, Microsoft came out with the shared source initiative, which, you know, this, I don't think they've updated the website since. Uh, it's, it's, it's very old, but it's still there. Like, and this is in some ways wrestling with the same sort of things. Like how do you have companies that have a need to make money which comes from scarcity, which comes from restriction, which comes from discriminating, to use that term, the technical term from, from the source definition. You know, how do you balance that with user freedom? So it's been an ongoing conversation, the whole life of open source. And I think 
our ideal at Century would be to see some convergence around some practical uh, answers, like the, the license proliferation that we've seen. You know, certainly, you know, it kind of like parallels what we saw in free software and open source. Like you had this, uh, you have this license proliferation, but then the community kind of settles on a handful of, you know, half dozen uh, licenses that are kind of the main ones that we see in open source. Our expectation and kind of what we're sort of uh, looking for is like, can we find that same, like, well, here's two or three, um, you know, and again, we need to find the name for it because source available is too broad, uh, but two or three kind Agreed. of source available, non-compete licenses um, that fit under this sustainable source brand or whatever we're going to come up with, um, you know, that people can know what it means and know what it stands for and know what to expect. Um and then, you know, I do want to slip in this plug because being a successful company that does value the wider open source community, it's very important to us to fund that component in the middle of non-commercial projects that want to be sponsored. Okay. So you got the commercial projects like Sentry, you've got the, uh, you know, non-commercial projects that don't want any money, but then there is a significant number of developers that are putting open source out there, their open source libraries and whatnot are getting picked up by companies that make a lot of money off of them. And yeah, at Century, we firmly believe in funding, giving money to the open source maintainers that want it. Uh, and we think that's an important kind of corollary. Like it, it goes hand in hand. Like we think about it, uh, you know, think about and you, it. And you've done that. a lot of funding in that space, right? Here, let's do it. Yeah. So, um, let me go here. Uh, yeah, so that was last year's. Um, yeah, so here's our blog post from a few months ago. It's like a month before the FSO went out. So we gave a half million dollars last year to open source maintainers, which for a company century size is significant. Really this is really, $3,700 really per engineer at Century uh, for the year. Um, you know, it's a, that'll be a, a, a different episode. We can go down that rabbit hole. But I did want to kind of... Um, yeah, for us, we think about it, it. It's all under this heading of sustainability, right? The FSL license is our tool that we use to maintain our sustainability ourselves. And because we're a successful business, we're able to turn around and give money voluntarily to that portion of the open source community. And this is this is where I push back on like, well, just don't call it open source. It's like, we're part of the open source community. We're, it's one community. And so like, why is, you know, one of the things we talk about internally and get frustrated at is like, why is a company like GitLab or whatever open core? Like, why is open core considered more legitimate than what we're doing? You know, like you're you're sharing less, but, you know, because it, it, it feels like it's this nitpicky technicality that it's like, well, but they didn't use the license and they didn't call it. But it's like you're like there's a bigger picture here, which is that we're all humans trying to do stuff together and we should take care of each other. And one of the ways that works is we charge you for our product and you give us money. Okay. And we give you a good product, but then that's, excuse me, I'm hitting my mic, getting so excited that enables us <laughs> to turn around. Get not, get and, not here. <laughs> no, but like for us, like, yeah, like we love all these open source developers that are building all this stuff and we think it sucks that they're not funded. Right. Like, and, and it, it, it just, it doesn't feel right to us that like, that, that, <laughs> that it's like, well, don't call yourselves open source. It's like, well, actually, we want to be part of the open source community. Like us giving money to open source, like technically open source, free software, you know, like us giving money to that is part of our open source commitment. I don't know. Let me find oh, yeah, I mean, we, box here. Oh, sorry. No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ahead, so Matt. so yeah. Let, I want to address, because, you know, you mentioned, you know, why, how is open core different? Let me explain, let, let me give you my two cents on that because sure. I, I think that that's, that's a good differentiator. Um, it's dual licensed. That's really where it boils down to is, you know, you want this set of features, you want this piece of software that is yeah. open core. It is not open source. Like, yes. it, so I, that's I less the, open source than FSL. But there is, there is a pure open source version that you can go do those things with MySQL. I, I, I used to work at MySQL. I beat just an FYI. There you go. So, so, you know, Hey, enterprise version, non-enterprise version. Guess what? Amazon uses the non-enterprise version. You know, they, they everybody uses MySQL non-enterprise version. But there yeah. is an enterprise licensed version that has other stuff or, you know, things that you can't get in the open source space. Um, 
And I think that that is, you know, you, you could say, yeah, it's not different than what you're doing. And I would agree with that because what you're saying is, you know, hey, there's this restriction here. But that restriction is in that kind of like dual license side where it's like this subset of things is not licensed in the open. This subset is. And so this subset is free. And that and that's where. Yeah. So we're know, saying we're more open source than open core companies. We're saying we're more open source than GPL software because GPL has its own. Like you can argue GPL is putting its own restrictions on you. And right? I would. Like there's, <laughs> I don't know. But the, the main point I want to make is like open source is bigger than licensing. Open source is people. And there's a huge chunk of people in the community that are saying, hey, I could really use a few bucks from you guys that are making billions of dollars off of the software that I wrote. And we think that matters. And we think that's part of the open source conversation. And it's it, if we only focus on the technicalities of the licensing to the exclusion of that, then we're not talking about the full picture of open source. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I think I, I, I think that's a very great point. And one thing that I've, you know, I've said on this podcast before is that I feel like we need to have better ways of talking about kind of the nuanced differences between kind of the very strict criteria that we've, you know, set out with the OSD versus things that deviate from it in, you know, many different dimensions to many different degrees. And so um, one thing to tie back to something earlier that you said with that is that it does feel sometimes that we in the open source community do like penalize exploration within that, that, you know, like um, I would much rather a company try to commit to pure, pure open source than find that doesn't work and try to find the right compromises versus just start out assuming that it's going to fail and you just go for something fully proprietary. And so mm. um, I feel like I, yeah, I, I would want to say that I just, yeah, I, I very much commend that effort of trying to, you know, do that exploration, try things and see how people are going to react. And hopefully we will land at something that, you know, finds the right set of compromises here that um, people are happy with and, you know, finds the right, um, you know, path forward for all of these companies. So um, that's, that's where you know, my two cents on this stuff comes in. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I started doing open source in 2001. So, you know, a couple years after the, the terms coined, you know, so I've certainly spent my career in open source, thinking of myself as working in open source, putting out open source software. Um, and it, it, it doesn't sit entirely right with me to go start a thing over here. That's like, okay, so now I'm not open source anymore. Like I, I want, I want to, I want to, I want to hold off on that a little bit and be like, isn't there some way that we could have like open source blank or some like, you know, open source uh, something. Here's something we talk about the concept it's bandied about the concept of an open source company. Okay. Like what if there was some definition that, you know, arose in the community that like worked its way through that was like, here are the criteria you need to meet to be an open source company. And like, what if like a handful of licenses like the FSL were part of that and also some commitment, some like pledge to giving, uh, to sharing money back to, uh, you know, those non-commercial projects, something like that. Like, is it like, does it need to be a hard fork here? I guess is what I'm saying. Like, is it a hard fork between the open source community and the, like the sustainable source community or whatever? Like what's I the, hope not. What's the relationship Personally, between I the hope two? not. Yeah. 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 But well, not. and so this is where, <laughs> I mean, like quite honestly, I think we get so worked up about the, term um, or the descriptor that we feel like it, it, it is incredibly important to have it no matter what we're doing because it reflects on like what we're comfortable with as you know it, and I'm not just saying you know Chad I'm not picking on you I'm saying as a community as a whole okay. like there, there are projects and stuff where we you know we, we, we look at the term open source and there really you know isn't an open source company it's there are companies that do open source, right? You know that, and and I can guarantee you, Chad, even if you use the FSL, you you are as a company at Century are doing open source. You contribute to other projects. You you know work on you know things that are in the open source space. I'm guessing some of your SDKs probably aren't FSL. They're probably open. No, yeah, the a F lot yeah, of SDKs are all MIT. We've got Symbolicator. We've got right. Bond, so we've got so you are working on and developing open source. 
right? And mm-hmm. and it's the same thing when you talk about Mongo, when you talk about, you know, Maria, there are the you know, mm. it's not an open source company. And because Why there not? Are that, it, why not? It, what is it, an open it, source it, company? What's the definition there are of an open source company? There are zero. Yes. Why? Yes. There are why not? Chad's side here. Why not? <laughs> there are zero. Why? You commercialize <laughs> open source. If you're, you're, you are commercializing companies who use do open source. Right. You know, the, 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 you know, like it, it's a it's a term that we like yeah. to apply because it's buzzworthy. Yeah. Open right? source no, it, it has a very model. particular meaning here. Like if you commercialize open source, if you do a lot of then open you're source, a company that does open source, mm-hmm. I, I but it's much easier to say open source company. Yeah, well, it might be easier. You might want to. But I'm just saying, like, I think you're just saying what you're saying. What it's wrong. It's, it's, it's wrong. Like when We're you not. Say, there's you a definition of open source company. We don't fit it. Well, no, Why no, not? Like, okay. Words mean what you wanted to mean. You know, like we can, if we want if we want there to be a thing called open source, ah, companies, like, we can. You know, we can have a no, thing. No, open no, source is not because, a business model. Okay, because, well, show because me some. It, it's okay. Like, look, like it's like it's like me saying, like you know, like okay, if I've got one product that's open source and everything else is proprietary, okay. I'm not an open source company. You know, I'm a company that does open source, and that's cool. I mean, there's not a problem with that, right? Hmm. I mean, you know, you look at Google, and we we picked on Google earlier. Google is yeah. is one of the bigger contributors to the open source space. They yeah. have more open source projects than most other companies. Are they an open source company? Why no. not? I don't know. I'm not Why sure. Not? They're not because they're first of all because they're they, they write more code than I've ever written, and and more code in the open source space than any other company I've been associated with. Because their core products are not under open source adjacent licenses and because their contribution, their financial contribution to uh, their dependencies doesn't meet a certain threshold. That would be my answer to why not. I would imagine yeah, that they can, do. I, I would imagine no, that they're, nope, they, they contribute nope. a lot. No, they, um, Microsoft actually, as well. Like you can make that so argument now. Look, um, um, with all due respect to my friends at Microsoft and Google, Google's number for last year. Am I going to say this live? It's, it's public information. We, I'd have if you to want, we can cut it out. 5. 7, <laughs> they gave 5.7 million to open source projects last year. Okay. Divide that by the number of developers at Google, right? Which is like 25 to 50,000. I don't know what they're at, but it comes out to like, well, what's the math? It's like, it's, it's, uh, but go and Kubernetes and all these things. Okay. Like now they that's also separate. Contribute. Now that's separate, yeah. right? That's them. And that needs to be accounted for. Absolutely. And same with Microsoft. It's like, the projects that you're putting out there. But again, and this is what I think that we need here. I think that it's worth doing the hard work of getting into these details. Of yes. Oh, yeah. yes. What are the yes. things? No, no, like I completely the, agree. the financial, yeah. the, the money that you donate, the the time, the 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 time, the, the FTEs, right? Like the, the developer time that you put on projects, um, et cetera, et cetera, right? Like and and the licensing of your own, those would really be the three, right? Yeah. Time, money, and licensing of your core products. I think core products is crucial. Core products. If you're gonna be an open source company, like your core product has to be under and this is where and this is why we haven't had to worry about this, because like Linux hasn't been anybody's core product. Okay, that's false. <laughs> yeah, <I> mean, <laughs> but it hasn't been like one company's core product in the sense that Century is Century's core product. There's um, there was well, a GitHub a post on yeah, GitHub's so blog. I forget the name of the person that wrote it that used the term single source, a single source product or a single source project that you know basically controlled by one company. So Century is an example of this. Um, but yeah, okay. So I, I think it's worth getting into these details. I don't know how long you guys have today. <laughs> We're well. Over, I, yeah, I can I yeah. can keep going a little bit longer, Matt, if you can. But I'm yeah, right. well, to wind this down and yeah. 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 So, so we do have to go. I mean, and, and, you know, so so you know what we've decided is I'm right, right? Um, yeah, so yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, always. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's in no, the acceptable use grant, right? Yes, it's in exactly. it's in my license. We signed up. Yeah, it's in my license. <laughs> uh, no, no, and in Chad, you know, like I, I've I've actually given uh, a few talks on this because I, I understand the funding problem, um, and and yeah. I and I gave a talk just um, at the uh, uh, what is it Community Over Code okay. Conference, which is the former okay. Apache conference about yeah, yeah. you know sustainability and why asking yeah. for money shouldn't make open source people feel slimy. So if you go mm-hmm. check out, I think it's on YouTube will, or archive dot yeah. org or whatever. Talk. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, there are a lot of companies who. 
um, do struggle and a lot of projects that do struggle um, to make ends meet. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, there has to be ways that they can work, um, you know, within the confines of, you know, the current ecosystem. And I'm all for, you know, mm-hmm. new licenses, new business models, new things that we explore. I think that the SaaS, you know, model has really revolutionized quite a bit. Um, and I sure. think it's something that is going to continue to change how we think about software and, mm-hmm. you know, how software's consumed. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's going to be changes in the next few years. And there mm-hmm. has to be because there's so many projects out there that do need funding to um, survive and continue. All right. So my homework for yeah. next time is to watch that talk. <laughs> Watch the talk. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to. We'll definitely have to have you back on because I feel like there's a whole lot that we could get into that we did. We could, you know, go for hours. I think, but you know, I think one thing that you know really sticks out to me with this conversation, Mm -hmm. um, it is my hope in the open source Mm -hmm. community that when we, you know, when we're looking at trying to improve, you know, various things across the board, that we really start to highlight more where we agree than where we disagree. And mm-hmm. I think that in these conversations with, with, you know, source, uh, you know, open source adjacent licenses, we really focus on the differences quite a bit where mm-hmm. I think we, there's a lot more that we all agree on than what we disagree on. And so, yeah, that's my ask for the open source community when we start to talk about this particular topic. And, uh, mm-hmm. I hope that, you know, all this, these efforts with the FSL continue to, um, I don't know, lead to more fruitful discussions and healthier companies and healthier projects. Plus one. Thank you. Well, with that, let us wrap up. Chad, thank you for coming on. We hope that you don't feel too upset about (laughs) getting beat up, Um, you know, and and having a rousing debate, which is what we love to do in the open source community anyways. Yeah, no, that was great. Thanks so much. Glad we could do this. Way easier to do this here than uh, other, other channels and social media and whatnot. So good talking to you guys. All right. Totally. We appreciate all you right. hanging out. Don't forget, Thank everybody, you. like, subscribe, follow us on all of the socials.